You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to part two of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Part one, I ended up talking with Paul Hudrick. He's our lead producer at Liberty Ballers. Did a bit of a breakdown from the Summer League opener where Paul Reed shine. Also talked about the Sixers depth and you found depth and where it puts them in the Eastern Conference pecking order as constructed right now. Joining me for part two, a man who's been very busy over the past week and covers a team that who knows what the hell is going to be happening with them in the Eastern Conference, Mr. Chris Milholland. Chris, uh, let's jump into this right now. First off, how has the last week been for you having to cover this gong show with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Well, first of all, my man, thank you for having me on. Always appreciate talking with you hoops and everything. So that's first and foremost. But dude, last last week, last two weeks, especially like, you know, even since the sweep, you know, it's been pretty busy, obviously. Uh, after the sweep, it's a bit, it was a little quiet. And then obviously when Kevin Durant demanded a trade and everything a little before that and that whole tornado, you know, it's been busy since. And now that, as you see over these past couple of days, they're starting to fill out the roster. They just uh, kind of rounded out the coaching staff and everything. So definitely been busy. Yeah. And it's been, it's been crazy. Let's be honest. I mean, all eyes on the NBA world, even, even through the long weekend, everything's been like, what the hell is going to happen with Kevin Durant, uh, Jake Fisher, a bleacher report been on the podcast with us here a few times now on the liberty ballers podcast network he released a piece this morning on bleacher report you can check that out as well basically talking about the fact now at this point chris the nets are looking at this like hey we're the ones with leverage here right kevin durant four years left on his deal kyrie irving opted in for that one year so at this point if they're not getting a haul that we saw teams like the san antonio spurs for Dejounte murray get we saw what the jazz got for rudy gobert in terms of getting a slew of unprotected first rounders when you look at how the nets have played this shot marks josiah obviously the owner when you look at how they played this and how things have went since katie kind of came out and publicly demanded a trade all he didn't do it himself through whatever channels that he has when you look at this now like how do you think this is going to play out chris like is there is it realistic at all to even think that there's a chance that both those guys will be on the opening day roster for the nets there's a chance, but I say it's a slim chance of it based how it's looking right now, right? So you got to really trace this all the way back to really the end of the season, right? So when Sean Marks, I, I wouldn't even say just to the sweet part, I would say obviously the main kind of cornerstone to this whole type of, I guess you call it tornado and everyone calls it the Nets apocalypse and everything like that is when is at the end of season press conference when Sean Marks really did call out Kyrie Irving, right? Is that that's mm-hmm. really kind of the where this kind of all developed in my opinion. So obviously leading into it, uh, obviously with the vaccination stuff with Kyrie Irving during the season, obviously they pulled the extension on him. And then at the end of season press conference, he mostly said, hey, we want players here full time. And that includes Kyrie Irving. So he name dropped him in that situation. Right. So there hasn't been any real correlation, especially based on how Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant both have felt about that, especially that type of press conference. But as you see these events kind of transform and fold out over time, you could tell, you could definitely kind of uh, even speculate that that was a major tipping point there, right? So obviously, 
the the main thing was obviously when Kyrie Irving opted into his player option, $36.9 million player option. Everyone thought, oh, okay, Kyrie Irving's back. That means Kevin Durant's going to be back, and all, all things are going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows, right? So, and then a couple of days later, as things go on, right before free agency, I think it was like two hours, an hour before free agency began, then you have Kevin Durant request a trade, right? The big Sham Sharania bomb. So when you really look at kind of how or what the Nets uh, want to get back from Kevin is that we've all been hearing the same thing. The Nets do want to stay in contender mode, right? And that makes mm-hmm. complete sense considering the draft capital that they have, which they gave up for James Harden, right? They gave up all those first round picks. They don't have those picks. Obviously, Houston, Houston celebrating like, hey, if they, they do trade Kevin Durant, it depends on the package, but they're the ones that are probably the most happy in the situation because they have all those picks, right? So when you when you really dive into it and you look at, I guess you could say what the package would entail for Kevin, the Nets are obviously going to take their time with this because considering that they want to stay in that contender mode, their offer has been pretty stiff. They want a bit, they want a massive haul, a haul that's probably slim to none and comparable in league history in recent years, and you know they want an All Star caliber player back. Obviously, they want some draft capital too. And when you really look at those destinations that Kevin has been eyeing, such as Phoenix, I know Toronto's been in the mix as well, that haul that they would get in return for Kevin Durant, Kevin, I think there was a report that also went out that Kevin wants to play with at least two all-star caliber players, or at least one, right? So in those type of teams with those hauls, Phoenix would make the most sense, but at the same time, the Nets have the leverage because they, like they said, they, they're eyeing Booker or whatever the kid that one of those reports said. And you have, when you really build a package from Kel Bridges, Cam Johnson, couple picks deandre eight and how that'll work out and whether obviously a signing trade whatever the case is is that going to be enough to move the nets hand clearly it's not so you know but to answer your initial question to see hey is there is there a slim chance that kevin durant Kyrie Irving would be back as this roster is constructing especially how sean marks has really built up the wings and when you really put look at the roster on paper they're only missing that kind of big a stretch big right so does that appeal to kevin enough that he wants to come back and whatever the case is and the nets would want to say hey you know what you know, if even if you want it out, you're going to stay here. So we'll see how it develops. Chris, you do a great job of covering the team for our, our sister site at SB Nation, Nets Daily there. Looking at, at Kevin Durant's situation, and obviously, like you mentioned, the Shams bomb where he we came out and we're like, everybody kind of looked at their phone like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, where did this come from? Because I don't think anybody mm-hmm. expected that. Once we saw that Durant was signing with Brooklyn, planned on being there, you know, for everybody, I think, looked at it and said, realistically, might play out the rest of his career there. How did we get here? Chris, like where, where did this, like in your opinion, I know we've, you know, we've heard some stuff from the insiders, like, like Shams, like Woj, like uh, Brian Windhorst, all the, all these guys talking about it, but in your opinion, you know, being around the team so much, what, where do you think things went wrong with KD and where's, where did this frustration come? Is it coming from dealing with the management? Is it dealing with Steve Nash, fellow Canadian? So I always respect Nash in that way um, in terms of as a coach, like what do you think the, his motivation has been for this? You know, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard to say and pinpoint something, right? Because Kevin keeps a lot of stuff close to his chest. And like he said before, even on his podcast throughout this whole year, he's one of those guys that just like to go out there and play basketball, right? So especially when you look at the whole regular season last year, obviously with the Irving vaccination thing, he he always he kind of stood up for him in that kind of regard. And obviously when Irving was banished from the team to begin with and then brought back, that obviously had some waves in this whole scenario, right? No one's going to deny that. You know, when you have a guy like Kyrie Irving that's not on the floor, and when you really look at it, like a guy like Jordan Ott, who served as the offensive coordinator last year, obviously he's in L.A. now on a bigger role on the bench. But he had a hard time, and especially the whole Nets, making rotations and lineups, really just kind of to complement that big elephant in the room with Kyrie Irving not being playing Brooklyn, right? So when you have that, 
And then obviously the the exit, the first round exit, the the series sweep, losing to the Celtics for nothing. The foot like how they locked down Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both. Then you could tell that just the base, the Celtics had advantages in continuity, chemistry, size and length. They just completely exposed the Nets in aspect. So I wouldn't really pinpoint something, but it's a huge snowball effect. If you just go back from day one to how they ended off, and especially this offseason, especially with Joe Sy, like Brian Windhorst did an excellent report saying that Joe Sy was the one that's been leading, was leading all those conversations with Irving and the player option, right? And whether, mm-hmm. okay, how how's this, how this Irving situation going to work? And obviously the, it ended up being the most simplest solution and the most kind of the biggest bag that Irving could get, which was the $36.9 million option. So when you look at Irving now, Obviously, uh, Chris Haynes reported that there has been preliminary talks with him in the late with the Nets and the Lakers about Kyrie Irving, but the the Nets, I think they're they're going to want a, a good haul for him as well. You know, obviously, everyone, especially on Twitter, as you see it too, everyone's like when you look at all the stars that have reunited over the years, like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are the kind of on deck, right? They're the ones that no one has really seen played before since the Thunder, and yep. would that be a good fit? Well, if you have a roster with Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons on a team, two non shooting guards. I don't, that's something that Mike D'Antoni can't even draw an offensive scheme up for, you know? So it's like, it's going to be interesting, but to answer that question, you know, it's a, it was just a snowball effect of everything that transpired throughout the whole year. And, you know, based on the recent reports from the great guys like Brian Windhorst, obviously Christian Winfield of daily news has been killing it with the Nets coverage this year. And, you know, especially Shams and Woj as well. You could just tell it, like I said, it's a snowball from the beginning point to obviously the off season, but obviously with the Irving talks and, and everything from there, I think that's when the snowball really got rolling. Chris, I want to jump into, obviously, some more Nets talk. Uh, let's do that after a short break. All right, we're back. Uh, Chris, we were talking about there how, how things went sideways with, with Kevin Durant, your opinion, and, and talking about all these factors that played out during the season that led to him wanting to be traded from Brooklyn. Looking at this now, right? And and we're in a position where, like you mentioned, with, with Kyrie, it's pretty much well been the Lakers, the, the Mavericks, and, and the Sixers. I mean, me covering the Sixers, just I don't see it. There's no fit there, uh, considering what we've heard about the the relationship that Kyrie had with James Harden. Uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to put that aside. And of course, trying to fit that $37 million, unless the Nets are willing to take on Tobias Harris, possibly Tyrese Maxey, and some way down the line future first round picks not going to happen. Uh, But when you look at, in terms of teams that might be in the running for, for Kevin Durant, obviously we've heard Phoenix and Miami, the two teams at the top of his wish list, wish list, pardon me, from what we're hearing from most of the NBA insiders. And then you got teams like Toronto on the on the outside a little bit. You got teams like the Raptors lurk in there, too. Which of those do you think could offer the best package? Because as I mentioned, you know, the, the sentiment around the league has been that, look, if Rudy Gobert, who is a very good player, one of the best defensive players in the game, is getting you that much of a return for his services, like where, whatever the Nets would be willing to take for Kevin Durant, they'd be stupid to take less than than what Utah got for, for Gobert. So where do you think, if he is traded, where do you think KD ends up ultimately? Ultimately, if he does get traded, I I think it's between the Suns of the Raptors, right? The Raptors technically have the best offer that would technically suit Brooklyn because obviously you could you could get a guy like Scotty Barnes, who obviously rookie of the year, very high potential, but obviously the Raptors don't plan on parting with him. And plus Masai has a history of making very large trades, right? Very dynamic trades. Obviously, the Kawhi Leonard one sticks out to everyone there. Like I talked before about Phoenix, right? That's that's kind of a that would have to involve a couple. Uh, regardless, I feel like this trade, if it does want, if it does go down, it would definitely be a three or four team trade, especially with draft capital involved, players involved, whatever the case is. It's not just going to be a one team, a two team trade. Bang, you get Kevin, we get this back, right? It's not yeah. going to be one of those. It's going to have to be a, a four 
even I could even see the potential being a five team trade, you know, depending because a guy like Kevin Durant does not pop on the market too much. And, and obviously every team, I would, I would be surprised if every team hasn't even just rung Sean Mark's phone saying, hey, let's inquire on Kevin Durant. A guy like this hasn't popped on the market. Obviously, you could bring up the James Harden factor. A guy like he hasn't been traded like James Harden, a, guy, a superstar like that. But with Kevin Durant, he's got four years left on his contract. He's 34 years old. He's still in that prime level of contention. He relatively stays healthy. Obviously, he's had a couple injury bumps throughout throughout, throughout the way, highlighting from the Achilles and obviously last year with the knee. But those type of players don't pop up on the market, and th- that team that gets him is an instant contender, no matter if he already does go to a contender. So Phoenix Phoenix sticks out to me. Toronto definitely does stick out to me a lot because think about it. Like You could even go deeper into the roster. You can imagine a guy like Pascal Siakwin be included. So obviously, they have draft capital as well, Scotty Barnes, but it depends. Would Masai want to part with that kind of what he's built over the years, especially highlighted by Scotty Barnes? For Kevin Durant, it may sound stupid, but, you know, at the same time, a lot of teams do value having that young core and having that kind of organic build to it, you know, and especially like Kevin Durant, it's going to take a massive haul to get that guy. So, you know, Phoenix and Toronto are the two teams that stick out to me the most. Miami's there, too, but it's not as there because obviously what they would have to give up and what Kevin is desiring to play with, even though it's on his wish list, like I mentioned before, I think it was two all-star caliber players from a report I saw earlier. You know, it's going to be hard for Miami to move that. But at the same time, you know, Jazz, you know better than anyone when it takes this type of four or five team trades. So many moving parts are going to be kind of going around and at the yeah. same time. All the one of those teams are going to be happy. So that's why I don't think the Nets are really going to rush this trade. And obviously, as you know, we were talking a little off air. All the GMs are at Summer League right now. So that's when I can imagine that Sean Marks is going to have his hand pushed a little bit in these trades. But like I said before, I don't think the marks and the Nets front office are going to really rush this process. If Kevin Durant get wants really, really, really wants out. Chris, looking, looking at this, at, at the way the Nets are constructed. I mean, they still got a, a pretty damn good roster, obviously without those two there, it's a, it's, it's a completely different situation, but if you look at, okay, Pat, you know, Patty Mills coming back, Nick Claxton coming back, uh, you know, they have some skill there. Seth Curry, very good, very good NBA player. They're going to have Ben Simmons healthy. And as much as Sixers fans hate Ben, ben Simmons, I get it, but he still is a all-star caliber NBA guy. So when you look at what that, and, and you mentioned, they don't have a ton of assets now because of what they gave up in order to get Harden, who of course is in Philly. Now, when, when you look at this from that perspective, like what, what is your opinion on the, on the best way the net should, to, should build this thing out? Like, do you just look at it and say, Hey, uh, KD, Kyrie, y'all are coming back. We're going to run it back for at least one season because we have a, a pretty good roster that would contend in the Eastern Conference and contend for a title if everybody's healthy. So how, if you were Sean Marks in this situation, like how would you want to play this out? I would, I would I'll just honestly have a sit down with Kevin or even Kyrie, both of them, and say, hey, look, what we, look at the roster that we have now. Obviously, last year, wings were kind of a big deficit on the roster, especially with the loss of Joe Harris, who only played nine games, had two ankle surgeries. You don't necessarily know how he's going to come back. There hasn't been an update on him since he had that second procedure. Then you look at a guy like Seth Curry, too. Is there obviously extension eligible? All, all of us really thought that he would be traded on draft night. That was kind of the main conclusion there. But obviously, the Nets had a bigger fish. That was literally right after... Uh, Kevin requested the trade and everything or well when obviously the Irving stuff and everything that went on with it but you know when you when you have a roster that's well constructed I would say it's arguably better than last year you know they added wings they had TJ Warren you got a guy like Edmund Sumner who's coming off an Achilles but that's still a kind of a a guy that could play like a combo guard obviously a wing type of option there a hyper athletic and I, I was told too that in a workout that he held with the Nets in early June I think it was June 9th 
that the Nets were really surprised by his, like, his explosiveness. And he's not going to, I don't think he'll play in summer league, but that they expect him to be kind of a sleeper type of impact on the bench. So when you look at everything, and, I, and you could agree too, the only thing that's really missing on this roster from paper is a big. So yeah, everyone's, everyone was looking. One of my targets on the list was Chris Bruchet. So obviously, he was a free agent at the time. He re-upped with Toronto. But okay, what, what would it take to get him there? Then you got guys like obviously Miles Turner, who, who obviously has a medical history as well with injuries and stuff like that. But you got to also wonder what would the Pacers want there? Obviously, I would imagine that they will want draft capital or a couple of young assets to fill in with their rebuild. And that's something that the Nets won't offer. But, you know, really, you know, you you got to see what Kevin feels like. You know, in this type of era of basketball, you know better than anyone. When stars want out, stars get out. You know what I mean? They're, it's They get yeah. granted that wish. And I don't think the Nets, even though I expect them to be fully patient and take the best offer available and something that they're fully content with and obviously all the other three, four sides of the trade went down to be content with, uh, I don't number number two is I don't see Kevin as that type of player that would hold out either. You know, I think that he would he wouldn't kind of take the route of, hey, trade me. Let me hold out uh, if that does come into training camp and obviously uh, into the regular season preseason and stuff like that. But, you know, when you look at this roster currently constructed, it's very, very uh, appealing to guys like, you know, I can imagine the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and, you know. A lot of guys say, too, and I think you could agree with this, you know, it, it might be his best chance to stay here, depending on, obviously, the package that the Nets are looking for and what Kevin can play with. I think the Nets offer the best type of scenario. Well, and that, and that's the thing, Chris, like, like you're saying, Durant, 33 years old, going to turn 34 in, in September. And, and looking at this, it's like, OK, you've got a pretty good situation here, right? And, and like you said, if he wants to go to Phoenix, if the Nets are looking for somebody like Devin Booker, because the situation that they're in they're not in a position that they could just blow it all up and and hope to get a bunch of picks here uh they're just not going to be able to do that and you still have enough talent on the roster that you're you're going to be 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 a pretty decent team so i i think looking at i agree with you i think i think kd would kind of be like okay like maybe i do just have to go back and we saw this before with star level guys kobe bryant yep. you know during the, the the late 2000s he reportedly won it out a couple of times ended up saying that i believe on i think it was stephen a smith's radio show that he was like i, I want to demand a trade and then ended up back with the lakers and won a couple championships you know what i mean ultimately so i i it's not like it's unprecedented for a guy to say he wants out and then ends up coming back and and like you said miami what can they give up they're not gonna be able to give up bam out of bio you can't have those guys together on the same team with him and ben simmons so there's so many factors at play here with this and that's what makes it sensational y'all are doing a great job of covering it also at nets daily as well uh want to jump into this get your opinion before we wrap things up chris looking at the eastern conference makeup as i mentioned you know this is a, a sixer centric podcast we've seen that they added pj tucker daniel house uh, made some moves there got the anthony melton at the draft ultimately ended up because that was because the nets deferred that first round pick that they owed from the Harden trade until next year but when you look at the east right now let's just say hypothetically nothing moves on the kd kyrie front both those guys are back next season how do you lay out who are the top five teams in the eastern conference and, and what order do you put them in in your opinion again this is all going could change between now and tomorrow could change between now and October when the season starts definitely going to change because as we saw we thought Boston was dead in the water in December ultimately ended up making the NBA finals so uh, as things are constructed right now and as the rosters are right now how do you have the, the best five teams in the Eastern Conference in your opinion like obviously as you know anything could change right it's crazy obviously the NBA is the NBA right but obviously I could I think you agree with this one too the Boston Celtics have really this took my eye in this offseason right now pick up like Malcolm Brogdon 
Uh, and like, you know, the, I think obviously depending on where the Kevin Durant scenario and everything, Kyrie Irving, how the Nets fall, that's going to play a huge factor in this. But I really do like the Celtics coming out of the East as it stands right now. Um, the Nets are obviously up there as well. I like the Sixers. Obviously, you know, with James Harden, it's the all likelihood is that he's going to stay. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. with it's going to be somewhere in the $30 million range, you know, in, in his new deal. Then you look at teams like Milwaukee, for example, they re signed a lot of their guys. Obviously, they got to be up there as well. Then you also look around, you know, it's going to be interesting that kind of five to seven or even eight gap, right? What Atlanta's going to do with DeJounte Murray. Yeah. That's an interesting one, right? And then you look at Chicago, obviously. I do like the pickup of Goran Dragic. Obviously, he's not one of those guys that really moved the needle and stuff. But obviously, you know, his production is not going to be like Alonzo Ball production. But at the same time, Alonzo Ball does have a history of injuries. So that's a good type of insurance to have, and especially a locker room leader there. He has championship experience. And Miami as well. You know, you can't underestimate Miami. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're on Twitter. You see it. Everyone calls Miami a contender, but a real fake contender, right? Everyone kind of sees it. But, you know, if I really had to kind of go in order and list all these guys down, I'd go Celtic as the roster stand right now. I'd go Celtics, Nets, Sixers, Heat, or Nets. No, Celtics, Nets, Sixers, Bucks, Heat. That's how I'd play okay. out the top five. And Atlanta would be looming at like the six, seven spot right behind. Yeah, I guess I'm, I would put the Raptors there. Oh, I, I'm interested to see what happens in Atlanta. I like DeJounte Murray. I think he's a very good player, but I've seen this enough in my life growing up. You know what I mean? That, hey, a guy can put up 25 points a game on a bad team and he's going to get because somebody needs to score points on, on those type of squads. And the Spurs weren't terrible, obviously, as a, as a playing team last season. But uh, I'm interested to see what happens with him and Trey Young in Atlanta. I think the Hawks yeah. are taking on all this salary, taking on taking these chances to basically be a six seed because I just don't see them as a squad that's going to be able to keep up. Can these guys play together? Teams? You know, yeah. the, can, they, yeah. can they play together? They're very similar. You and that's know? good. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the hard part to, to figure it out. But again, it's, it's early July, right, Chris? So we're okay on the, on the, uh, on what's your, I'm curious, what's your, what's your top five teams? What's your I would level? still put, I, I think if, if, if Middleton was healthy last season, I, I do think they, they beat the Celtics in seven yeah, games. I agree so with I, that. I, I'm, I'm still putting, I'm still putting the bucks at, at number one. I think Giannis, uh, as great as he has been over the past few years, I still think he's going to take his game to another level just based off of what you've seen in terms of his improvements, not only as a three-point shooter, as a facilitator, and just kind of figuring out the little nuances of the game. So I'd, I'd probably go Milwaukee one, Boston two. I would put the the Sixers at three, the mm-hmm. Nets at four, and then Miami at five. And of course, any Heat fans will listen to this and be like, well, they had the best record in the East, in the East last season. I think all those teams have done enough to take a step to catch up to them. And I think given what happened with the injury stuff, as you mentioned, KD doesn't miss a bunch of games. Kyrie gets vaccinated. Brooklyn likely the number one seed last season. So that's how I'd put my, my top five right now. But again, all this is going to change. And it's going to be crazy by the time the season rolls around because of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I, I think for the first time last season for the was the first time in a long time that i looked at it and said man i don't know who's gonna win out of these 10 yep. teams you know what i mean and i think we're gonna have that again going into next season too oh without a doubt i think like you know especially in the, like you look in the west you just peep over the west how the clippers are gonna look too that's gonna mm-hmm. be interesting but like you said i think the eastern conference you know it's it's kind of that weird type of shift right obviously in the past couple of years everyone's like the western conference dominates the east right you go back to the traditional all-star games where west versus eastern conference and now you look at obviously what the makeup of the East is, how competitive it is, especially from even the play in bracket, even the bottom. How's Detroit going to do? Right. You look yeah. at like you even look on like kind of the bottom, you know, it's such it's not like a complete shakeup. And obviously the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving stuff, uh, the 
forget about the East hovers the whole entire league. But, you know, it's it's going to be so interesting to see how it all plays out. Obviously, you know, better than anyone. Health is a huge factor in the NBA, without a doubt. And, you know, it's it's going to be really, really interesting. I love that Milwaukee point that you made with, obviously, Giannis. And, like, I agree with you. If Chris Milton was healthy, I think they could take down the Celtics last year. But, you know, it's it's up. The East is up for grabs. And it's going to be interesting to see not only the record, regular season, like you pointed out, Miami had the best record, but. Who can really just take that Eastern Conference spot? And then when you look in the West, who's going to really contend for that? Yeah, that's what I think. That's the fun part about the NBA. And it's funny because up until I think LeBron's decision, right, back in back in 2010, the NBA offseason was not that exciting. And as we've seen now over the past 10 or so years, decade or so, it's great. And and everything, it's, it's, it's comparable now to the NFL in terms of having all this player movement. And we don't know what's going to happen, minus those years where... It was going to be the Warriors and the Cavs. Everybody knew it for those four years. Now we're at a point where, hey, man, there's depth, there's parity, and I, and I love to see it. And and I know you love to see it from your your place, too, as a big hoops guy. So, uh, oh, Chris, I yeah. want to thank you for, for hopping on and, 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 and talking Nets with me and talking general NBA stuff as well. Appreciate, appreciate the time, brother. You know I love talking hoops, and you're the perfect guy for it. So thank you again for having me on. Uh, subscribe to this. Subscribe. Great show. And, uh, yeah, dude, we got to catch up soon. Yeah, well, we'll do this again. I'm sure. I'm sure over the off season, and, and maybe if we do see a KD or Kyrie trade, then we'll we'll go right back to our homie Chris Ma- Chris Mulholland of Nets Daily. Like I said, you can check out his work at our sister site Nets Daily, and don't forget to follow him on Twitter as well. He's at C Mulholland. That's with an O S B again. C Mulholland S B on Twitter. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. As I mentioned, part one. You can check me out with Paul Hudrick doing a bit of a deep dive on what's going on with the Sixers at summer league. Also talking about their new rotations. And uh, as I mentioned, this will be. Part part two of the podcast for today coming up on Friday. Sean and the crew will be back with the Talking About podcast, and we'll have you covered for reactions as well to what happens in Vegas with the Sixers. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.